Guys, this is Succession. This is HBO. If you don't want to hear me talking about Logan Roy, talking about then don't listen to this. There are bad language words in this show. Hello, and welcome to the Logan Fucks Off episode of Slate Money Succession. It will happen this episode. I'm Felix Hammond of Axios. I'm here with Emily Peck, who is the, I think, existing CEO and former general counsel of Slate Money Succession. Yes, I'm also a markets <laughs> correspondent at Axios. <laughs> I'm here with Elizabeth Spires, who, um, if you had to be one succession character, which one would you be? Uh, Roman, I think. Roman is my favorite character. <laughs> so we're, we're here with Elizabeth Spires, who's the co-COO of Slate Money Succession, and um, I think the president of Slate Money Succession, Lizzie O'Leary. Welcome. Hello. Uh, it's very nice to be back. You have been on every season of Slate Money Succession thus far. We couldn't not have you. And oh, my God, are we happy to have you for this one. <laughs> kind of a big one. <laughs> this is the big one. Like Normally, the big one is the finale. But this time, the big one was episode three. And well done to them to make it, for making the big one episode three. Yeah, I mean, that's gutsy. Usually, usually you save this sort of thing for late in the season, but they didn't do that. And why not? I, I mean, you know, there are arcs. The whole thing, it's a four-season arc, and you... I feel like it's a bit like one of, like you know, like the Tchaikovsky Pathetique Symphony, you know? Where yes, the big, of course, the big, the big climax comes at the end of the third movement, and then there's all manner of, like, weird stuff in the fourth movement, which you always forget about. But, um, yeah, I'm... <laughs> Lizzie is just breaking up. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was the Tchaikovsky that got me. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Emily, yes, you watched this last night on yes. Sunday night. Um, they, I guess, they were worried that we were going to run around and spoil it for everyone. I mean, they really wanted this to be a surprise. Jesse Armstrong, who wrote who wrote the episode, said part of the reason they killed Logan off in episode three of the season was because they wanted to do the surprise, and it was shocking, and it it had that dual effect of you were sort of in it with everyone learning about this in real time. It almost felt like you were sharing the emotions of the characters in a way because it was so surprising. The episode kind of starts out like any other succession episode. You know, there's a someone's getting on a plane, someone's in a fight, someone has a secret. Roman, you know, Roman is playing both sides, playing the angles, whatever. And then this happens and the audience is just as surprised and shocked and like, trying to figure out if this is real as the characters are, basically. Yeah, there was a good interview with uh, Armstrong where he said he wanted the audience to experience it the way that people in you know modern life very often do experience a parent dying, which is, you know, the parent is somewhere away and you're finding out by a text or a cell phone. And, uh, and it did have that feel, like that kind of real-time... Yeah, some, some weird flat screen that you're learning it from. And I have to say, like, I, I do watch every episode twice before doing this show, and I think this is the only episode where it's not as good the second time round because the Wait, first really? because the first time <laughs> round is just such a shock. 
You know, it has that emotional wallop of the unexpected. You just can't get the second time mm-hmm. around. But you watched it twice, Lizzie, and you disagree? No, no, no. I, I haven't watched it twice. I, I watched it once and, you know, took a lot of notes. Although I, I should note that as we are going in here, my husband is watching it for the second time and texting me updates. <laughs> so we're going to get, like, John's stream of thought. I think he's sad that he's not on again. John, we miss you. Um, (laughs) He's going to be so mad at me for saying that. No, we do miss you, John, because this was, of of all of the episodes, even more than the season three finale, I think, the sort of Mark Mylod virtuoso directing episode. I see you want to talk to a director about it. I mean, it would, but like, there was great acting in this show, but just the whole, the way it was all constructed, the way that. The majority of the show is basically one massively long scene, which yeah. apparently they they kept a huge amount. After f- shooting it for like five or six days, they did it all in one take and kept most of that one wow. take. Um, and that one scene is it's incredibly theatrical. Like that one scene, you could easily see on stage, and it felt intimate in the way that. Th- great theater can feel intimate. And also isolating, you know, if you're thinking about it from the kid's point of view, right? We're never seeing close-ups on Logan's face. We never have a sense of what the, you know, paramedics or flight attendant or whoever doing to him, right? Like, this, I think I read something saying this is not a, like, Grey's Anatomy death where you are seeing the heroic measures. It's just really banal and you're at a remove from it in the way the kids are at a remove. I love that. Right. I mean, I we've all seen people die on TV and in movies before, and it's one of my like secret pet peeves. I've never admitted to anyone, but I hate all the death scenes on TV and movies because they're so <laughs> perfect and good. You know, everyone rushes to the hospital and gathers by the bedside, and you go in and you have your last words, and they're profound and meaningful, and that's just like not reality. I mean, maybe it is for a few lucky people, but. I think most people experience death in this way, like, feels like it came out of nowhere. You were just talking to someone, like, an hour before. You were just calling and leaving a voicemail, calling them a C-U-N-T, as Roman was. <laughs> and are you a cunt, Dad? Just tell cunt. me. Are you a cunt? <laughs> <laughs> and then this happens, and you're kind of, like, in, like, a suspended – it's in, like, a you're, – you're in a feeling of suspense because you haven't realized the person is totally gone yet. You're in this, like – limbo feeling and I feel like they really captured that in a way I've I very rarely have seen in yeah I was a little platform I was a little sad not to see one last Brian Cox as Logan you know being Logan scene Mm -hmm. I mean you know the the personality was there at the beginning of the episode but I think the last poignant moment with Logan was the uh, karaoke conversation the karaoke bar thing from well I mean there was that bit at the beginning in you know, when he's in the back of the car sitting next to Carrie, who's wearing her like stylish sunglasses, and he's torturing Roman just for the sake of torturing Roman, which is like a very Logan way to go. And it reminded me of Caroline, the mom, in season three, where she said, he never saw anything he loved that he didn't want to kick it just to see if it would still come back. And this was, like, the way he goes is by, like, kicking Roman. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what Roman likes. And that's, he suspects you know, that's that the he's particular doing it. form of torture. Right, exactly, exactly. Although he also hates it. Well, yeah, but, I mean, that's, like, Roman. He was, that's, he Ro- is, that's Roman in a nutshell, right? He is deeply and genuinely upset about what he needs to do to Jerry. Um, and Jerry's just furious at him. She's like, I, I, she is so over this. Yeah. She, and she has no time for him and she has no real sympathy for him. And he is also just um, self-pityingly upset at the fact that she won't be there for him in his hour of need. And she's like, fuck off, you just fired me. It's funny she's because... She's kind of playing mommy to him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when he comes to her for comfort after he fires her... She's like, no, so you, you have to be a grown-up now. That's uh, he, I'm out. He actually tells her he's sad twice in this episode, once when he's firing her, which is like the ultimate do not do for someone firing someone else. <laughs> this hurts me more than you. And he says, you know, I'm sad to be doing this. And then, yeah, at the end, he tells her again, I'm sad. And she's like, I don't give a fuck about your feelings. <laughs> That's how it felt to me. Um, which she clearly doesn't. I think. No, but I think that that was, like, the dick pics curdled that. Right. Right. 
Right, because she kind of blames the dick pics for getting fired, rightly or wrongly. I mean, let's unpack this. That is why she got fired, right? I I think she got fired because Logan wanted to torture Roman and he knew that this was the most exquisitely painful way of torturing Roman. But he knew that because the dick dick pics were sort of the shorthand for that. Yes, (laughs) exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's messed up. But I guess none of that matters now. <laughs> but this is succession. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> well, there's also, you know, the point where you see uh, Logan's callousness toward Connor in the car as well. You know, when Roman asks him, you know, why well, are you going to be there? And Logan says, oh, it's fine. We, we sent him some Napoleon things. And, and then that's just, <laughs> it. you know, that's the extent of his paternal obligations. Yeah, we, we we sent him a, you know, Hitler watercolor. <laughs> yeah, if he wasn't such a, a dick, he would have not been on the plane and maybe would have lived a little bit longer, right? Also, just yeah, the coincidence also, of the Napoleon things line, the week that the news about Harlan Crow comes out <laughs> with the Nazi memorabilia. Exactly. Like, you wouldn't, like, this is the thing. They wouldn't have had... Um, Connor be a collector of actual Hitler watercolors because that would have been too broad and unbelievable. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it had to, it, there need to be a remove. But like I think Connor, which we can get into this because we see his reaction later in the episode. In some ways, you know, since he is at a remove, since he is the first pancake, like he is, he doesn't get quite the degree of of torturing that the other kids mm. do it like it it shields him in some strange way when he was like yeah you didn't love me like maybe not but well, I think his, that his, also his... meant that you didn't get you know kind well, of he, danced he, he, on he said he said he never liked me never liked which is me, a very but... and then he's like i never got the opportunity to prove myself and it's like well yeah obviously you know mr one percent and more is than one but the um but yeah he I think Logan tortures him by not himself. taking him seriously and by being mm. ambivalent because that's what what Connor wants the most is just, you know, love from the family. Love. What what Connor wants the most, like Connor has a an, a really interesting episode. I mean, the name of the episode is Connor's wedding and people are <laughs> people are like taking this as like, well, obviously that's not the thing that happens in the episode. Although the, it does. But the thing is it does happen <laughs> it does. in the episode. <laughs> And there is this incredible, like, moment of of genuineness and truthfulness that Connor has after he finds out that his dad has died, you know, where he's talking to to Willa and he's like, could something good come out of something bad? And should we just, like, send everyone away, obviously, because my dad just died, and then just get married anyway? And not because we're massively in love, but just because I need this and, quote, I'm scared that if we don't, that you'll walk away. And and it's just this very, it's just this, this like, brief tra- glimpse of, like, true transparency from a Roy kid that you never see from any other Roy. And then he asks her, are you just marrying me for the money? And she basically says yes. He says yes. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, that's okay. Yeah. It's like, can I just, great. Can I just say though, that like, this is what I said to you, Felix, when we were about to come in here, which is that the often, not always, but often the episode titles are sort of laden with meaning and they, they're sort of a little confusing or they're funny, like sad sack wasp trap. But just Connor's wedding is such a, kind of wah, wah name for this episode. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of it, I think, was was misdirection to ramp up the surprise, yeah. you know? But, I mean, I, I, I feel like I should have seen this coming, right? Or, you know, all of one this, of you did in the last episode. Well, we, yeah, we didn't see... I mean, sort of did. Yeah, we kind of which one of you said, said he's going to die? die I was me. This season. That was you? Yes. Good job, Emily. Yeah, jo- good job, Emily. You come closest. But, like, there was all of these hints. The weird, like, scene in the diner with Colin. With yeah. Colin. Yep. And, and, and also just this idea that, um, yeah, as you say, if he's going to die, you need to give it some time to for the implications to shake out. I mean, yes, those were clues, but like, let's go back to the real clue. The name of the show is Succession. 
It is a right. show about <laughs> what happens after the patriarch dies. So it makes a lot of sense that he would die early on in the last season. So we could see how the succession goes, right? I mean, with a whole <laughs> shit ton of people who've done like zero succession planning. Zero. That's we had a right. question so, in our so inbox about we hadn't, this. We had an email about this, which is a very good email, and so I'm going to I'm going to call it up right here. And we love our readers. Uh, we, no, we don't love our readers. We love our listeners because they're amazing. <laughs> Um, Elizabeth Weeks, who emailed in at 2.07 a.m., bless you, Elizabeth, saying, I'm not a securities or corporate governance attorney, but don't large companies normally have pre-baked comms playbooks and maybe even statements for certain crises like the CEO of a publicly traded company dying? Um, Is this creative license or am I just wrong? And I'm going to come out and say, and Lizzie, tell me if... um, you you disagree on this one. The major things like a CEO dying unexpectedly turn out to be a corporate comms shit show way more often than you would actually expect. And just to throw an extra little wrinkle in here, I'm pretty sure he wasn't the CEO. I think I think that chairman. Jerry I think That's Jerry right. is still the CEO. Oh my gosh! And has she really been fired? Not really. She's still no. She has not really yeah. been fired. Well, she, yeah, she's been sort of like pre-fired. Yeah, she's pre-fired. been pre-fired. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. You're you're making me think of a conversation I had with a reporter who who covers Tesla, whose beat is Tesla, and I was asking her about like what's the Tesla succession plan? Like you have yeah, this board, this one. sort of small handpicked board, and she's like, oh yeah, there isn't one. And there are some, you know, activist investors. There are some other people who would really like there to be a succession plan, but there is definitely not one. I I think you're not wrong that maybe there are some small parts of a, a plan in place, but there isn't one. Carolina's like the only person who seems to have her head around that part of it. But then I was also like, does the man, I mean, he must have a will. He must have like a heavily, heavily lawyered will and a series of trusts and estates. Yeah, but that's but that's his personal ownership. Sure, sure, state, sure, sure, sure. Which of course is but inextricably it's all tied intertwined. Up in the, right. Absolutely. But yeah, no, the, the degree of succession planning, like it is the one job of any board to mm-hmm. make sure that there is decent succession But planning. when you've got a board that's handpicked by your chairman, founder, right. CEO, whatever, exactly. and but is the, terrified of him. Yeah, but the thing about um, board chairs, especially board chairs in the mold of Logan Roy, is they all think they're immortal and they don't care really what happens. And and they, they just, they're very bad at it. And we should mention, because we, we teased this last week, um, Abigail Disney was meant to be on this week uh, she couldn't make it, but she's going to be on later in the show. And we're going to ask her about this because Disney is actually a headline-grabbing company where, hmm. you know, they were just incredibly bad at succession planning. And Disney is a much better-run company than Waystar Royco, I can tell you that. What did, you know, it's sort of a question I wish I could ask uh, Jim Stewart right now. What, what, what happened when Sumner Redstone died? Like, Sumner got so old and so senile that, that he didn't. he had to sort of lose control long before he died. I was just trying to find a, a an analog and you know calling off your wedding at 92 is not the same as dying. Um <laughs> one one interesting analog is Robert Maxwell who, who who owned a lot of major media properties and then died very suddenly falling over the edge of a Yacht. Mm. <laughs> you, you can't see what I'm doing with my arm, which is pantomiming going off the edge of a yacht. Um, and basically what happened when Robert Maxwell died was his entire empire just completely imploded almost immediately. Yeah. Um, which is definitely one of the possible options here. Oh. So we could see one of the Roy children, like, deciding to hitch their star to a Ew, no, I can't even go this far. Gross. <laughs> no, Never no, mind. I think, yeah, the, we, we don't quite know what is going to happen over the long term to the Roy kids. I mean, except for that they're all going to be fucked up for the rest of their lives. Um, As opposed to now. We we do know, obviously, that they are all going to want to take over Waystar Royco. Um, obviously, Matson is still going to want to take over Waystar Royco. I'm pretty sure that Jerry, as CEO, is not in any rush to give up her role as CEO, assuming that she still is. It's a bit unclear. Um, And, you know, for all we know, fucking, you know, they all want it. You know, Frank and... 
Yeah, there's Tom a, and Cousin Greg. There's a little teaser at the end where, you know, they're all in the room after the funeral and Cousin Greg comes barging in and says that he's there because he just wants to uh, make sure that they're all supportive of each other's family and he wants to see how things shake down. And he means to say shake out, and then that's the <laughs> sort of cliffhanger. <laughs> Greg's really on the outs in this episode. There's a scene where mm-hmm. he tries to put his hand on he, Shiv's arm, and she's like, don't touch me. And um, right. he's just really, like, walled off from everyone. And I think Tom at the beginning or in the middle of the episode says to him he's on Logan's shit list, basically. Um, so he's not in a good place right now. Although then he gets that phone call from from Tom, and, like, that's the other point at which one one character is you know emotionally vulnerable and transparent to another character it's not just connor with willa it's also tom with greg when he calls him from the bedroom of the plane and is like you know this is good for you but it's terrible for me i've lost my protector mm-hmm. yeah he's in a really bad they're actually both in a really bad place without logan yeah. and so is carrie i mean you could see that in the scene where she comes in she acts all strange <laughs> and smiley after <laughs> logan dies and they just yeah, there the was a <laughs> kick her speculation out. on twitter that she came in with a big smile and this sort of unhinged looking face because she might be pregnant with logan's baby oh, which would be an amazing wow. plot twist wow that would be quite amazing um, Ew. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but I, I love that because it just showed, like, there are some people that just have no stake anymore with him gone. It's like he had people on his coattails. He died well, and they literally just everyone, off. Right? I mean, with the exception of Lucas Matson, there's no one who isn't in their position because of patronage from Logan mm. in one way or another. Right, but some of that patronage is longer lasting than others kind, right? I mean, if you're the, yeah, who is, the is will, it Carl who's like, I've worked for this guy for 40 years, you know. Yeah, they're best buds. I think it was, yeah, one of them. Can I just talk about how Tom was weirdly competent? Like uh, up, up, yeah, to, yeah. up into a point, but he's sort of the only person who seems to, to straddle the line between being like considerate with the kids and also kind of making things move forward on the plane? Like, they keep on saying, is he okay? Is he okay? And he's like, no, he's not okay. He's he's not sugarcoating it. He's not, like, lying to them. They want him to lie to them, and he won't. But he's also being kind, and he's also, like, holding the phone up to the ear. And he, he, that amazing line he, he has where he's like, if he can hear, he'll be able to hear you. (laughs) Great. Um, <laughs> I think this is the most competent we've ever seen him be. It, yeah, think- it's him being like ri- rising to the occasion as best he can. He's even there to he he gives Shiv a hug. She like pushes him away, but then I don't know if you noticed they leave together from the airport in the car. Next I didn't to each other. notice that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, they do. The intrigue. Hmm. Yeah, there was a lot Thomas- of good hugs in this episode, right? There's an iconic hug <laughs> the, the between awkward, the three siblings. Like, all three-way hugs are, are, are awkward. Like, have you ever had, like, a genuine three-way hug? It's really hard to do It was a good hug. one, though. I saw it <laughs> all over Twitter this morning. That's the kind of fun we usually tape in advance of all the chatter because we watch a screener and we don't get to see how everything plays out, you know, on Twitter or whatever. But So it was nice this morning to sort of see that. Yeah, the, the last time those three were ever going to you know, be able to like each other before they all start trying to knife each other in the back again. Right. Well, it just shows, I mean, it was an extraordinary episode in in hitting that succession theme of personal and business all mixed up together because it's super personal when your father dies, but then immediately you have to be like, well, this day the SEC is going to be looking at it for us. You know, um, the scene where Kendall reminds them, this isn't just a personal thing. It's not just about us. It's like how we will be perceived by the regulators, um, and it, it they it's, all get sucked very, back into the business right away. It's very self-aware, right? When and like he he's like, we are highly liable to misinterpretation. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And then he yes. proceeds to you know kind of muscle in there as right. like I mean, Shiv, trying yeah, to be the is, guy. This is where Shiv's political instincts go like completely off the rails. Have we ever seen her have a good political instinct? I'm sorry, she was supposed to be an <laughs> operator, but like I'm thinking back to her just flailing right. political instincts. Mm. Oh, because she wants the plane to circle? God, could you imagine right. that new, the news story writes itself, like yeah. Roy Kids asked plane to the, I don't even know, what would the conclusion be? 
What are they doing? They were trying to kill him. Like that if he wasn't already. Oh, to wait. Right, right, right. Thank you. Didn't want him to get the best airplane doctor in the world. Just let it circle till he dies. And then they. But she rises to the occasion, right? That um, when, when the three kids confront Logan at the end of season three and say like, you know, you're not selling the company. We can block it. They're in this sort of triangle formation with Shiv at the front. When the three kids come out to face the press and give the official press release announcement that Logan has died, they're in the triangle formation with Shiv at the front. She's the one who has actually written down the statement, um, who has drafted it, who delivers it. The two boys are silent behind her. Mm. Yeah. You think that is prescient, Felix? You mean in terms of her wanting to take over? I'm sure she wants to take over. I'm, you know, but like, you know. They can't all, you can have a plot with like 10 people wanting to take over. Like that would be. I think that's exactly what we're going to have. <laughs> I think that would be too weird to follow. You got to narrow some things down. You have to forge some alliances. Right, Elizabeth? You have to kill some more characters to just eliminate <laughs> possibilities. Marsha's got to come back, I think. Oh, she's not shopping forever. She's still the wife. <laughs> He leaves behind but I don't think, Also, they I, keep I mean, teasing it, uh, Connor's mom. Like, that that's keeps, you yeah, know, they allude to it I, again. Mm-hmm. She's got to yeah, emerge I, at some point. The loony cake. The, How sad was that, you guys? So sad. Oh Give him a dab of sugar so he eats the cake all week while his mom gets shipped off to a, oh, some kind God. of institution. Victoria sponge cake. It's so sad. I just, um, Connor. <laughs> what what matters, of course, is, is shareholdings, right? So it's actually not. Marsha, it's Caroline. It's, you know, the, the three right, kids' mom right, right, who right. has that large chunk of shares. Possibly Ewan? I, has he given all of his shares to Greenpeace yes. now? It was in the LA so Times. So, like, suddenly, like, Greenpeace? Uh, in their open? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, one assumes that upon receiving these shares, Greenpeace immediately sold them. And then, like, it's not like Greenpeace is a major shareholder. Mm, so they're back out in the market. So, like, so who are, the, who are the shareholders? It's Three and a half kids. Like it's unclear. Sandy and Stewie. Sandy and Stewie. Yeah. Caroline. Stewie and the Sandys. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Sandy is is definitely on that Sumner. Like Sandy Senior is right. is doing the Sumner Redstone, just like you know, very senile thing. Yeah. So it's, okay. it's the three yeah. kids. It's Sandy and Stewie. It's Caroline, and then I don't know. I think. I mean, like, do you think do you think Sandy Junior would want to take over? Hmm. Nah. I don't know that we've had enough character. I mean, Hope Davis is a great actress, but I don't know if we've had enough uh, character development for that to. I think there's going to be like three really factions, but maybe I'm wrong because maybe they'll split the kids up. But it seems like kids. Adrian Brody, whatever percent he owns. Oh, right. Maybe him. maybe he'll come back. Um, but yeah, like I think in terms of sheer competence and ability to, um, let me just quote here. To dance us through a fucking thunderstorm without us getting wet, um, I think. I think pretty clearly, Jerry is probably mm. who is the CEO is probably the most competent person to run the company, but also has no constituency, has no one really supporting her, right? right. No, and no therefore, really, like, yeah. is going. It's going to be very unlikely that the board is going to wind up alighting upon Jerry. She's still the placeholder CEO pending some more permanent. I mean, I wrote that Kendall is also surprisingly competent, and then my notes continue, whoops, until he wants to speak to the pilot. (laughs) (laughs) But he was, like, he has, Kendall has flashes of competence. Like, in this one, he didn't, right? In this one, he was flailing around, and he was just, like, phoning up his assistant and saying, like, call up a call, put a call together in the next one minute. And you're like... That's just him trying to feel like he's doing yeah, something. Yeah. It's not him actually being helpful in any way at all. Yeah, no, that's true. But like he, I feel like he has these kind of like gestures toward competence, like empty suit gestures toward competence, and then he gets derailed. I think it was Elizabeth in one of your episodes talking about his like his mishmash business jargon, where he just then just starts speaking in strange. <laughs> strange jargon sentences. Yeah, he's he's good at like pretend he's but good at like cosplaying a media exec. Yes, yes, but yes. But he's yes. he's shown no actual ability to do it. I think the best move is to just let this deal go through with the Swede, cash out 
and just have ATN left. And- yeah, but this is a this is an MAE, right? This is a material adverse event mm-hmm. in terms of oh, um, yeah. Matson. So Matson, like, it's interesting now. Like, did Matson consider Logan to be an asset or a liability? And does that make Waystar Royco more or less attractive to him? And or like now that Logan is gone, there was this one conversation which. Um, Tom had with Logan at the foot of the plane um, where Tom was basically saying that what Matson wanted was ATN mm-hmm. because ATN is being spun out, right? And the idea was that Logan was going to turn it into a bunch of fucking right, pirates. He gets to keep it and then the he, other stuff. Logan yeah. gets to keep ATN while Matson gets everything else. But now that Logan is gone, it seems more likely that Matson is going to be angling to take over ATN as well and the whole and caboodle so there is going to be some kind of renegotiation yeah also there's a scene where uh roman picks up his phone and shows the the stock price falling off a cliff (laughs) says yep there's dad (laughs) yeah that the continuity the continuity thing we need to we need to talk about this because jerry is like you want to hold the news until after the markets close and you're like wait the markets are open. Isn't this meant to be a wedding? Like, I don't think Connor's getting married on a Friday afternoon. No, I mean, I was I was worrying about that too, and I was like, that could be like pre-market trading, like, be, you know, like people trading options on. I don't know. I was trying to figure out what that was. I think I think that like, and then yeah, it didn't make any sense to me, Emily. Do you think that this was all happening at like two o'clock sense. on a Friday afternoon? Yeah, it seemed like it was a Saturday wedding, and I didn't understand that either. I was like, wait, wait till the markets close, but they are closed. So is the chart from Monday when they, oh, it, it, I don't think it made sense. Write to us and tell us if, if we're wrong here, but I think it was just yeah, artistic. I just license. sort of assumed it was like one of those, you know, frantic government bailout weekends. <laughs> exactly. But the, the, the whole point about frantic government bailout weekends. Is there weekends? Is there weekends yeah. and there are no markets no market, open and right. they need to do everything before markets open. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't make sense. I think the practical and smart thing to do if this wasn't a TV show would just be to sell it all to this Lucas guy and just walk away and be rich and stop. Just Which they have, which they... They've like, had that chance, like... <laughs> well, no, but the point, times. you know, as of <laughs> as of season four, episode one, that's basically where all the kids are, right? They have all made their peace with that's what's going to happen and they're all going to be rich and they're all going to go along and they're going to do random things, you know, Substack meets Masterclass meets The Economist meets The New Yorker or buy a PS or whatever, right? But that is all because they have given up on the dream of actually running Waystar Royco, which is their legacy, which right, is their, which is what they've been out. brought up to do. Now, that dream is rekindled. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's, yeah. They've lost their son. Like, they all orbited around Logan, and now he's gone, and now they're just off in space, and it's it's really unclear what happens next. But I guess it does make sense that the dream is revived, and what happens next is they jockey to, to have the company, this family business that Shiv talks about. Right. Yeah, so that was that really jumped out at me, right? That was Shiv sending a very clear message to Frank and Carl and Jerry and and the press, Sandy and Stewie and the press, and saying like, "This is the Roy family business. It's called Waystar Royco, and you know, don't think that just because Logan's died, it isn't still Royco." Yeah, ignore my depression, mom bun. Please, like, let us have our company. <laughs> but at least they all had the prescience to turn up to Connor's wedding wearing black. <laughs> I mean, the, the, who, who, who is the... It's appropriate either way. Whoever the costume designer is, they're friggin' genius. We'll be back after this is the media industry after all. Some ads. We are going to talk about how everyone reacted to the news of the death of the patriarch. This episode of Slate Money is brought to you by Wondery, which is a podcast company, and it makes a podcast called The Best One Yet, and it is a daily podcast hosted by Nick and Jack, who serve up three of the most interesting business news stories every day and why you need to know them in just 20 minutes. 
Do you want to hear about the $100 wedding dress that saved Abercrombie or which real tech acquisitions like Game of Thrones or the one financial equation that can finally solve climate change? That's the kind of stuff you find on The Best One Yet. So be in the know this year by starting your morning with The Best One Yet every weekday. Follow The Best One Yet on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. And for more deep dive and daily business content, listen on Wondery, the destination for business podcasts, with shows like The Best One Yet, How I Built This, Business Wars, and many more. Wondery means business. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So let's talk about the meat of the episode, the main scene, right? There is... Um it's super interesting because it actually happens in two different locations. It starts on the second floor of the sort of temporary pavilion that they've constructed on Pier 17 in New York City. And then, for reasons that are never really explained in the script, they get ushered into the top floor of the boat. And Logan is almost certainly dead from, like, the minute that Tom's phone call goes through, but we don't know. Like, there's a sort of moment of finality when um, they get onto the boat. They stop the CPR. And that is the point at which, like, even Roman kind of basically understands that his dad is dead. And that is the point in the show where the boat pulls away from the pier and suddenly like the camera work becomes much more sort of seasick and the whole family is literally sort of unmoored and it's a super interesting device but you barely notice it because the two sets like the the onshore set and the boat set are very similar they in are. many ways and they're both tacky yeah it's a really tacky boat, tacky setup. Like, no aspect of that is in any way befitting a rich person wedding. They've got, like, tacky political rally bunting. And, and the tacky, like, brass band playing. There was, in fact, a brass band. And and they do it at, you know, what we New Yorkers know to be one of the tackiest parts of New York City. I mean, like, why would Connor choose to get married in New York City of all places, the reason, surely, is because that's where the media is, right? Yeah. And so it's it's like he gets some quantum of extra um, free media coverage totally. for, for doing it down in Lower well, Manhattan. He, also, he did, you know, pitch Willa on having this very public spectacle-driven wedding because he thought it would help his political career. So some of it, maybe this is his idea of what a more middle class person might do for their wedding. Mm. But the but in the end like he do, like the 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 actual wedding with three bridesmaids and that's it and not even her mum as far as I can tell is her mum was amazing but like but the actual wedding is was quite touching in its own way like there was no spectacle everyone's been sent home and it's just them you know against the brooklyn skyline just saying like okay this is good enough yeah i thought that was kind of sweet I, i'm not sad. gonna walk away today <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of sweet it was sweet yeah it, it, but at yeah. least they're honest between them which is not you couldn't say that for all the other couples in succession actually there's a lot or of, any 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 <laughs> pairings <laughs> any relationships yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, except for except for maybe Logan and uh, Colin, poor adrift poor Colin. Colin. Yeah, I know I'm jumping around, Felix. You want to talk? No, about jumping the, around the, is good, but but like the look on Colin's face, someone I I don't know if it was Vulture or something I read on Twitter. Someone described it as like a dog who's lost its master. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, Colin. Yeah, Colin has no 
raison d'etre anymore. And, you know, he remembers. It was just a couple of days ago, right, that Logan told him, you're my only friend. Talk about the whether or not there's an afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. And he did, he said no, right, is my recollection. Logan did. Well, Logan Colin arrived on yes. no, and Colin said, like, my dad thinks they're right. <laughs> or something like that. And so um, Colin strikes me as someone who was brought up Catholic. Colin feels like a real, like, Irish dude. Yeah. So now it's like I so it's so significant episodes the the first few episodes of the season like now it's clear like Logan's last words to his kids were I love you but you're not serious people which is both like de- pretty decent last words if you ask me. <laughs> Salty and sweet. Nice. But he tells me he loves them. So that's good. Roman didn't even say I love you but is always a good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of what Kendall when they it was really interesting right. how they all did their last you know, call, hold up the phone to Logan's ear call. And like Roman can't even say, I love you. But then later he can't even remember if he did or did not say, I love you. Kendall does say, I love you. But then he says something like, I can't forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> right. I love you, but I can't forgive you is a great line. And, uh, it's okay. Yeah. And, um, and then Shiv just does, I thought she was maybe had the best call. Certainly he was dead by the time she was saying these words to him, but she handled it pretty well. She said something like, I love you, like, Daddy, I love you, or something like that. Everything's okay, she right? She keeps calling him Daddy. Yeah. That was the part that really got to me. Like, her, Sarah Snook's physical acting in that moment. Right. The shaking hands. The, like, we have seen her sort of physically unraveling over the past few episodes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the hair and the, you know, like, hair elastic bun was part of that. <laughs> but um, it all comes back to in that terms bun of physical. Theory. In terms it, wait, of physical um, right unraveling, no one physically unraveled quite as much as Jerry in this episode, who turns up incredibly put together with this amazing hat, and then dressed for like the wrong wedding, basically. and then and then like you know gets fired, starts crying, and then like hears that Logan dies, the hat disappears, and suddenly the hair is down, and like she just looks bedraggled. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I guess what I'm been sort of so focused on the arc of Shiv's unraveling and the <laughs> arc of her like weird clothes over the past couple of episodes that I wasn't even focused on Jerry. But you're right. Also, what's up with Jerry? What's up with Jerry's hat? Like, that hat belonged <laughs> at either the the English wedding or the Definitely. Italian wedding, or the Not Scottish the wedding. Right. The Scottish wedding. Excuse me. <laughs> Wait, Lizzie. Yeah. What? What yes. weird clothes? What are you talking about? Shiv's clothes. Shiv. So, so Shiv has had like everything has been in brown except for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there was she a has gray not suit had. In the last yeah, episode. she's not. She hasn't been as crisp. Um, right. At her hair, if you look at her hair, it hasn't had that like sleek blowout mm. that we saw in the last couple of seasons. Um, so she's somewhere in between her like first season long floppy cardigan to and. Her like power suits. I feel like she like, they're like stabs at power suits, but they're but they're coming apart. And what's coming apart for her? It's it's her marriage mostly that's doing this. Her to marriage her? is coming yeah. apart, and I think her like her any ability she might have had to control her emotions is coming mm. apart. Yeah, she doesn't have that ability in this episode. Although she does deliver the statement to the press pretty. Yeah. She does a decent job. I thought that's exactly what you would want her to seem like the daughter. Of the multi-billionaire who just softer. died. Yeah. Like you you actually want the tears. Yeah. You want a little tears. Not a not little tears. Not incapacitating tears. Humanizing. But, oh, but, but then there's that there's that um amazing line where Jerry's like she turns to the kids and she's like, We would if you want, we can excuse you from the board meeting on compassionate <laughs> you <want>. grounds. <laughs> if you, if you, want. <laughs> if you want. And yeah, yeah, like Jerry, read the room. <laughs> but to your point, Lizzie. Who's going to be smart enough to um, to get Colin on board? Because he knows where all of the body- bodies are buried. Hmm. But, like, wh- he does. But will Colin, like, who do Colin's allegiances exactly. now Exactly. Colin has no obvious, that's the question. Like, he... He covered he, up for Kendall. But he covered but all, up for Kendall a, at the at behest, the behest of, of Roman in, like, a Logan. creepy way. Right. And, like, I don't think... Colin likes Kendall. In fact, no, we're pretty no. sure he doesn't. Pretty sure he so, doesn't. like, we're we're pretty sure that Kendall is going to make some kind of a move to take over the company because he's Kendall. And so, then at that point, um, it's 
Roman and Shiv know the whole story now, um, but so does Colin. And who does Colin tell? And does Tom find out via Colin? Um, you know, does, did Shiv tell Tom at some point? What was in Tom's folder called logistics that needed to be deleted and then deleted again? I have that. Is that all just stuff on on Sid Peach? What is it? What is the logistics file about? What is it? Yeah. (laughs) We need to know. Did Greg manage to make it back to delete the file? Probably not. No. 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 Did Greg tell the report? Like who leaked it to the press, or did the or did the press just put it together? Oh my god! And then that um, amazing bit where Carolina like casually tries to shiv. Kerry by saying, like, maybe it was Kerry. Yes, amazing. <laughs> she comes off as the most competent in the episode. Yes. Carolina. Yes. Proud of her. But she's always been pretty competent. That's, that's Icy, true. but competent. Yeah. Yeah, she's the one who has no real emotional connection. No, with she has, Logan. like, also a very specific job. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the rest of them, especially, like, I don't know what the difference is between what Carl does and what Frank does. Yes. Good right. Point. Like, exactly. they just have this, like, amorphous. I don't know. I'm but there, so but happy there, to have Carl in an episode. I love yeah. Carl. But in in terms of like the difference between jobs, Such there's a idiot. super interesting distinction between Carolina's job and Hugo's job, right? They're, they're both like comms, but Hugo is at a sort of higher level of being the sort of consigliere to the CEO in the way that Carolina is actually doing the comms. Oh, that, oh, it's funny. I don't see it that way. I see her as above him. Definitely. Oh, interesting. I kind of saw I saw her, I saw her as external focused and him stuff. as like yeah. fixing the, fi- yeah. Like she's I, IR Elizabeth and he's like personal comms, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. he's given the unenviable task in this episode of being the, li- the liaison between the kids and the corporates. And it's a disaster. They're like, they're telling him what to do. They're like, get out of here. Get me this person on the phone. And he's getting- well, he was also the guy that, like, Logan gave the job of, like, phoning up the other board members, you know, in the last episode. Mm. You know, he has a, you know, he has a job which involves, like, actually talking to shareholders, major shareholders. I don't know. They're both, yeah, it's it's hard to tell exactly where the delineations lie, but they do seem to be comfortable with each other. They're not, like backstabbing each other. Right, fair. But fair. I do feel she doesn't like him because he is completely unlikable. That's all. Yeah, that's he's true, squishy. Right? He's icky. He's yeah, icky. he is There's icky. something yeah. icky about him. Yeah. You don't know really where he stands. He stands wherever the power is and he just tries to ingratiate himself to it. We've seen that in previous seasons. Yeah. Although that's what they all do, right? I don't even know what I'm talking about. They all do that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why when they had the group hug, it was so nice. Anytime there's any real emotions between them. It's like, oh, thank God. This is just a story about a family. It, it was and is like a, a deeply fraught and emotional episode. Like there aren't a lot of funny lines no. in this episode. There are still some. Were, but were you guys <laughs> no, sad? But also- Wait, can I just ask everyone yeah, to yeah. tell me their feelings? Did you feel sad? I, I, I'm English. I don't have feelings. Okay. Felix has no feelings. <laughs> Got it. I'm Irish. I keep my feelings inside for a long time and then explode. Um, I have one feeling. <laughs> what's your feeling? <laughs> um, I was sad. Yeah. But I also, so the moment, okay, you know, there's a whole back and forth about like whether they're going to go on the plane and see Logan's body, body or whatever. And this is a little personal, but when they bring him down when they bring his body down Mm. off the plane i was reminded of so when my stepfather died the the hospice nurse told us to leave the house she was like go take a walk you don't actually want to see a body bag being carried out of the house because there is something so um the they're not a person anymore. They're such an object. And the bag in and of itself, like, transforms them even more. And they're just being, like, handled by some strong dudes. And the fact that we saw that with Logan, we saw this Titan being, like, the weight in a bag was just so, like, so deflating and so, I don't know. Like, I think it's also escape just it. a yeah. moment of finality after, you know, you have Roman being in denial for so long that yes. you know, he was really dead. And and that would be the sort of visual indicator that this is really happening, you know. Elizabeth, you said you had a feeling. 
(laughs) (laughs) What was your feeling, Elizabeth? Yeah, well, I mean, I just generally have one feeling, singular. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What's your one feeling, Elizabeth? The one one catch-all feeling? I'm I'm pretty even keel, but I I will say the the part that was the most poignant for me was when they first uh, found out that when Tom first called um, Roman and Roman's standing there with the phone and Kendall and just the panic response that they have like that, that was very relatable to me. And then you sort of realize that this episode is going in a totally different direction. Yeah. And it's interesting. They all have always have great, like, burns that they deliver to each other that we recite here gleefully but all they could say about this they would they each said like i'm sad like that was all they could come up with you know (laughs) when is this a test that was like a brief moment like i i could envision some kind of really warped logan totally yeah i thought that too i'm like this isn't really happening is it and then you kind of are like oh yeah no it is oh it really is and then when shiv says he was pronounced dead you're like okay definitely he's dead that was, it took me until then yeah. to really accept and when, it. And when, like, you know, when they're like, how are we going to get the body off the plane? And Hugo's like, I'll deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, 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 it's stairs. You, need you to just love Hugo. Yeah. Hugo just carry it. What's your, what's your deal with Hugo, I don't Felix? Know. What's my deal with Hugo? Like, I, like there's something he's very. He's like a squirrely little. He's an insect. Yeah. Yeah. Yee. But Fisher Stevens has such an amazing like physiognomy, you yeah. know. It's like there's this, there's this amazing uh, feeling of not fitting in just right there. Okay, we're gonna have a quick break for ads, and then when we come back, not only the favorite lines, but also who is going to be running this company at the end of episode ten. Okay. Um, Lizzie. Yeah. You did have one or two lines you managed to write down. <laughs> well, I don't what? want to take the great ones from everyone, take, so take I'm going to go. Go, go, go first. Like you're you're our honored guest this week, so you get to p- take your pick. Well, I mentioned my soft spot for Carl, just because I feel like Carl is this like wonderful uh-huh. font of just pathetic comic relief. I love, first of all, that he just like gets out the whatever that is, whiskey, and starts drinking on the plane. <laughs> um, but then my favorite was Carl's like, oh, he's heavily fucking delayed. <laughs> <laughs> and they're trying to think about like ways to like keep Madsen spinning in the air. Like, what do they do? Like, oh, he's heavily. We could say he's delayed. He's heavily fucking delayed. I, I will say, um, certainly in the wake of the episode, I did feel the need to pour myself a whiskey. This, <laughs> was, this was definitely like a I need a whiskey episode. <laughs> this um, took me a while to calm down. <laughs> it was a CBD gummy episode for me. <laughs> um, Elizabeth, did you have any lines? Uh, I had a couple, and one isn't really a line. This is uh, the headline on the Chiron in front of the Brico building this week was, man with bird flu can't stop thinking of ducks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So good. But then my, my second one was when Tom was uh, explaining to Greg that he wasn't coming to Stockholm, and uh, and Greg keeps asking, well, can I talk to Logan directly? Are you sure you don't need me? And Tom says something like, no, I have a lot of people gregging for me. And uh, <laughs> Greg says, don't turn me into word, Tom. I'm a guy. Why do you have all these little guys, these little Gregs? <laughs> Greglets. 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 Some Greglets. Emily. Um, I think I liked Kendall when they were talking about arrangements for funerals. Yes. And he's like, we can do Reagans with tweaks. <laughs> <laughs> Get a funeral off the rack. Oh Get off God. the rack. Like, that was such a great. <laughs> I don't think you can do Reagans with tweaks. That was like. I don't think you could do Reagans with tweaks. No, no. no. You can't tweak Reagan. Can't do it. There, there was like, I, yeah, the the sort of misdirection pre-episode before everything went to shit. Like there were there were a couple of like one of the interesting things about Connick suddenly being genuine is that earlier on in that exact same episode, he turns to Willa's mom and says, Mr. Scrooge just happened to be a huge wealth creator, but they don't mention that in Mr. Dickens' books, do they? (laughs) No, they do not. They They do do not. (laughs) Uh, But I think think the one, if I had to pick one, it would probably be Tom greeting 
Logan coming out of the cone saying, Hail Loganus Maximus, Slayer of Vikings. And you're like, wow. What a tool. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Greg also had, I have a little list of nice things to say to Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) He had a good one at the reporter, too. What did he say? Well, that sounds creepy. Or no, it wasn't. Yes. Is it take, taking quotes and kicking ass or something like that? Journalism? Taking quotes and kicking ass? I could be butchering it. <sighs> yeah, they packed the good stuff before the death. We needed, we needed a little bit of it. And then I'm sure there's going to be a lot of um, good stuff to come. But okay, so just lay the groundwork for us, Lizzie. Who is going to be running this company at the end of season, at the end of episode 10? Felix, you really okay. Uh, you've rendered me speechless. I have two answers. At the end of the season, my answers are Lucas Matson and Kendall. Hmm. But I think Kendall. It's a terrible idea, but I think Kendall. Is that weird? You're I mean, looking at me like it's the most unsatisfactory answer you have ever heard. But, but I think, but in a weird way, like, that's very succession, right? They wind up with some deeply unsatisfactory solution, which is clearly going to last for, like, five minutes. And They're not going to land on something great. There's Yeah, but that's the whole point. Like, corporate CEOs, especially the ones who aren't founders, don't last very long. And, you know, there will be... It, there, there will be a sort of dynamic inevitability of failure overhanging what whoever is in that position. Maybe they all die. <laughs> Maybe it ends like Reservoir Dogs. I don't know. Elizabeth? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, th- I think it's in keeping with this show that it would be somebody you wouldn't necessarily expect. I thought in the first season that it would definitely be Kindle because he had seemingly more depth than some of the other characters, but I... I now I, I feel like anything could happen. They could all die in a plane crash and Cousin Greg gets the company. Like, I, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I just, I feel like, I feel like um, Roman and Shiv have enough oppo on Kendall at this point that it's not possible. Maybe the three but of Emily, them. Emily, what do you think? I think maybe the three of them work something out. And, well. But what I, do they work out? Well, I think that. The Swede does his deal, and they're left with ATN, and that weird Nazi becomes the president. And oh, right, that guy. We got a glimpse of him in the coming yeah, they, attractions. Exactly, they teased him in the coming attractions. So, yeah, so they're left with ATN, but it's like this crazy propaganda machine, and maybe Shiv drops out or something. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, maybe, something I mean, Murdoch-y. it's true. We don't, we don't really care about what happens to the film studio and the theme parks. And if Matson takes them over, it's like, fine. Mm-hmm. That ADN is, is the thing we care about. Yeah, exactly. I can't believe I'm so thrown for a loop by this incredibly obvious question. But <laughs> the, the driving question so of are, the whole so show. Liter- of the whole show, but so is literally everyone else. Like, no one else in the show can get it straight. Right, right. Because there's um, no plan. There could... Th- there, there, there could well be some surprises in Logan's will. Mm. Um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna come in out of left field here and make a play because, in in what the English love to call the banter heuristic, which is basically this idea that like whatever's funniest and stupidest is always what happens. I think it's gonna be Tom. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. And that Tom becomes like this Philip Doman figure who, like, you know, gives good son and winds up taking over the whole company. That makes Tom sense because he's like the grasping overachiever. Like he's he's climbing and climbing. He really wants you it in a way the kids don't. Are too, up through, yeah, through this. Yeah, the kids are too he spoiled is, to like ultimately. He is get like it. the ultimate mediocre white man. And 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 he's he really does have a predilection for human furniture which is always a good qualification in the media CEO <laughs> but isn't is he no longer saddled with cruises in any way I guess they hang that on Jerry and just ha- literally hang I mean that, that was like pretty much Logan's last words it's like we we, we hang cruises around Jerry's neck classy classy till yeah. the end 
Pass you to the end. So then maybe we come down to a battle between the siblings and Tom for control of the company. Mm. Maybe Tom well. and Shiv get back together. And Well, I think they're in this weird place where they're like, she emotionally needs him in some sick way and they drove off together and maybe that tees it up to be even more of a thing. So many questions. All right, so episode four, I guess it's going to be the board meeting, right? It was literally, they said it's going to be in yeah. a matter of hours. So the kids will be there and probably Tom will be there. Obviously, Frank and Carl and Jerry will be there. One of Sandy and Stewie will be there. I think they'll both be there. Maybe they'll both be there. They're both such great actors. You want to see them both. Yeah. This is going to be a wild board meeting. And and I guess the someone has to have control. How do you have a board meeting without a board chair? You have to elect a board chair before you elect the CEO. I mean, the whole thing is going to be a shit show. Can't wait. Thank you not only to Elizabeth Weeks, but to everyone else who emails us and asks us good questions. Keep them coming at Slate Money at Slate.com. Thanks to Ben Richmond for being the producer at this end in New York and to Patrick Fort for being the producer of the whole show. We'll be back next week. 